For six generations, the Jones family has been providing high-quality meats. And now, we're providing treats for the best member of your family, man's best friend, aka the goodest boys and girls. Jones Natural Shoes makes bones and treats that are sure to be savored by your dog and are made from the best natural ingredients available. Our flavorful chews are made from natural animal parts and will have your puppy drooling with happiness. From treats like sticks and chews to savory bones and patties, we've got you covered for finding the perfect reward for that special pup in your life. Jones Natural Chews come in all sizes, so make sure to choose the right treat for your pup. And remember, it's important to be supervising your pup when they're enjoying their treats to keep your puppy safe. Jones Natural Chews, available at a pet store near you. Or visit jonesnaturalchews.com to get started with our store locator tool. That's Jones Natural Chews, available at a pet store near you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Kingdom Now, the podcast featuring faith with an edge, as we celebrate the kingdom of God within you. I'm your host, Dr. Leanne Marino, apostle, author, and theologian, and founder of Spitfire Apostolic Ministries and all the works that go along with it. I'm excited to share this program with you as we explore the ins and outs of counterculture Christianity present as you live out the kingdom of God in your everyday life. Want to learn more? Visit my website at kingdompowernow.org. And now, our program, which features a variety of formats here, just for you. Interviews, teaching and preaching, proclaimed everywhere from my North Carolina studio to Sanctuary and beyond. And powerful insights here, for now, as we turn the world upside down, everywhere we go. Good afternoon, good evening, happy, whatever time it is, wherever you are. And to our listeners in the United Kingdom, we say good evening. Or good day, or whatever time of day it is. I know that was real original, right? But you see, what happened is, I just realized I didn't pick out a language to say good day in, and so we're going to just say hi. Anyway, they're all laughing at me. We hope that whatever time of day it is, you're having a good one. And I welcome you to this edition of the Kingdom Now podcast. And I'm your host, Apostle Dr. Leanne Marino here. And I am the Spitfire, serving as the voice of counterculture Christianity, where we feature the theme of faith with an edge. And if you'd like to learn more about the world of counterculture Christianity, feel free to visit my website at kingdompowernow.org diet culture. We all know that diet culture is a part of the world in which we live. In fact, on the show Judging Amy, one of the characters, the young child character, said to the grandmother, what is anorexia? And she said, it's a disease you get from reading magazines. 
And so we know there's the pervasive image and the message that in order to be beautiful, you have to be thin. In order to be successful, you have to be thin. In order to have any kind of life, you have to be thin. But how surprised would you be to know that there is actually a very strong and pervasive diet culture in Christianity? I've lived through it, and so have our guests. And without getting too much into that right now, because I'm sure we will all tell our stories with this as we go on, I would like to introduce my returning guests. We have Charlie Reap and Nick Lewis, both of whom are a part of the leadership team of Sanctuary International Fellowship Tabernacle in Charlotte, North Carolina. So, hey, y'all, introduce yourselves and tell everybody who you are. I mean, you pretty much did that for us. So do it anyway. <laughs> okay, hey. I'm Charlie. I'm a returning guest and teacher in training at Sanctuary. I also run a blog where, as of late, I've been kind of on a indefinite hiatus just because of life. But I basically explore my how my spirituality and asexuality and other identities within the LGBT community, how they overlap. And what's your blog name? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. My blog is called Beloved Not Broken, and it's you can find it on Tumblr.com. And by the time this airs, you will also be able to find it on the welcomeinthisplace.org website. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Nick, go. All right, I'm Nick, and I'm going. So <laughs> I am <laughs> I am now Minister Nick Lewis. That is really Yeah, minister, my black ass is the Minister of Music for Sanctuary Charlotte. Got to keep that consistent. I, as Leanne said, I'm on the leadership team. I also run a blog and am also on a uh, current hiatus. But my blog title is Nick. Fits, that's N-I-K-F-I-T-S dot wordpress.com and on there I pretty much just either do like nerdy devotionals or kind of share things that I'm going through and give revelation and insights that way and then I am starting to basically leave comments to honk at me on Twitter because I like talking to people sometimes so yeah you can also find me on Twitter at Nick Fitz 2, that's N-I-K-F-I-T-S and the number two. So let's talk about diet culture. Actually, I'm going to let Chuck go first in talking about your experience with this because you actually were the one who had the idea for this episode. And so I'm going to let you go first. Okay. This is not at all related to my upbringing, but I was just perusing the interwebs and looking for resources that we could talk about on this podcast. And I was thinking about Gwyneth Shamblin, who created the book. Hold on. Let me go back to see what it was. Uh, Out of Exodus. Oh, okay. I think she also did, according to Wikipedia, she did The Way Down Workshop. Yes. Yes. And so I knew about her, but... In perusing the Wikipedia page, I found this hyperlink to Christian Diet Program, and apparently there's a lot of them. So it's not just Gwyneth Shamblin. A whole lot of people have done books. Um, There's been DVDs. There were VHS tapes. There has been 
exercise classes, videos, all of this stuff. So if you go onto Wikipedia and look up Christian diet programs, that would be a, a good start and a good sense of context for this. But um, pulling from my experience, so I was a pretty chubby kid, like from puberty onwards. I know that my mom and my grandmother both struggled with their weight and it sort of became like a family fixation. And I just remember being, you know, small teenager, maybe 14 years old, going to Weight Watchers, you know, being put on diet after diet, having my doctor be like, oh, you're experiencing anxiety. Oh, just lose weight. You'll be fine. And being told over and over through either influences from social groups or being told outright by like medical professionals that all of my problems lied in my weight. And specifically when it comes to my experience in churches, a lot of that had to do with, oh, if you're overweight, you're never going to find a man. Of course, yeah, this is back when I thought that I was a good straight little Christian girl. Mm, Yeah, not anymore. (laughs) But Boy, that ship, that ship didn't just sail, it crashed into the port. Uh, yeah, you and it, uh, it burned and sank. Yeah, so for <laughs> reference, I identify as asexual, aromantic, and agender. So I basically looked at, like, sexual attraction and gender and said no. But an interesting connection that I never made until, I think I made this implicitly, but I found an article just now that's called the connection between diet culture and purity culture. And I'm reading this over and I'm like, you know what? A lot of this makes sense. I've talked before about how um, I was really impacted by purity culture, even Mm -hmm. as an asexual aromantic person. But when it also comes to diet culture, it's putting a lot of emphasis on your body, but a lot of negative associations towards it like your body is a stumbling block your body is imperfect your body is evil your body is something that is going to cause other people to either commit violence against you or to just disregard you altogether and so your worth for better or for worse is wrapped up in what your body looks like which mm-hmm. for a lot of us we can't really control that in my past this might be a slight trigger warning to anyone who has an eating disorder struggles with disordered eating and anything like that but i went on diet after diet a lot of it was restrictive thinking i had to listen to like my fitness pal saying oh yeah you should only eat like 1300 calories if you want to lose weight and so I did that for a while and it worked, but at the same time, that wasn't enough for a toddler to be processing. And it took me years to learn that I should be eating three full meals a day. It's healthy to like eat a full meal. It's not healthy to be hungry all the time. And so as a result of more of this intuitive eating that I've been on, you know, I have gained weight, but overall I feel a lot better about myself. I I have a lot more energy. I feel a lot more mentally aware of things. And so what I've learned over the course of all of this is that the diet culture basically gives you an obsession with food and an obsession with your body when, you know, that's not our entire purpose on this earth. It's like Mm -hmm. we should be 
like, I often hear people say that your body is the least interesting thing about you. People are going to love and appreciate you no matter what you look like. And for the people who don't want to get to know you because you look a certain way, well, they're not worth getting to know anyways. Yeah, so I think that's my general experience with it. I imagine I'll bring up some more of my experiences as we talk about this. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Nick, do you want to share? Well, kind of piggybacking off of the whole weight purity culture tie-in, because I never really thought that kind of I had been affected by this until y'all kind of talked about it. Mm-hmm. But for a while, probably since like middle high school, something like that, for context, I am African-American. I was assigned female at birth, so I have lady parts. And I'm not exactly flat in the back. So because of the last part specifically, I am self-conscious about what I wear still to this day. Because in media, African-American female presenting or those assigned female at birth are heavily sexualized. Uh And they're heavily sexualized for like their chests and their butts. And so because I have that coupled with, you know, growing up in like Christian schools where you had to, well, we had uniforms and we had to like dress certain ways, but I would notice how like some of the skirts I had to wear would kind of shape me certain ways. And even now if I'm like wearing a regular pair of pants that fit me and aren't like hugging me or anything, I'm still self-conscious about that because I don't want to draw attention to myself, but that's kind of the whole issue is because purity culture and diet culture focus so much on like you, this is what you need to fix. This is your problem, blah, blah, blah. But it's not really pointing to the underlying issue that like, it's basically a judgment call from other people. Mm -hmm. And it's more or less telling you kind of like what Chuck was hinting at. Basically, you have to fit this mold to be perceived as, you know, pure or good or desirable or, you know, whatever other bullshit. But yeah, I was kind of ranting for a minute there. But yeah, that's just basically. And I guess one example I can give real quick that I just remembered was me going to prom senior year yeah the only time I went to prom in high school and I had a dress that I thought was pretty modest because it was a one shoulder dress but like it covered everything up top and it didn't like it wasn't super short so I felt really comfortable in it but it also wasn't loose fitting so it kind of It didn't like cling to me or hug me or anything, but it was, you know, shapely. And so we're there the night of the prom. I'm with my now ex-partner and we're taking pictures in front of my mom's driveway. And my dad comes up to me. He's like, don't you think that dress is a little tight? Wow. Yeah. And it was like, one, it's right when I'm about to leave. So why would you say that to me now? Uh And then two, that kind of stuck with me because it's like, 
you know, I'm not showing cleavage and I'm not like wearing booty shorts or like a super mini dress or anything. But because it shaped my figure, that was an issue. Uh And my dad being my dad, he was kind of more focused on the moral aspect of it. So, or quote unquote moral aspects, but yeah. I guess it's my turn, right? Mm-hmm. Well, because y'all got so quiet. I guess we could kind of say my story's kind of in the middle of the two of yours. Mm-hmm. And that would make sense because culturally and ethnically, I'm kind of between the two. Mm. When I was a kid, I was a chubby kid. I was a chubby kid from about eight or nine on. And I was what they would classify early puberty so I was 10 when I started and by the time I was 12 you know everybody notices and we all know how that goes and I was in Catholic school too and it's like I've said there ain't nothing filthier than a Catholic school boy Mm -hmm. and Italians carry their weight in certain areas So, stereotypically, we're big in the bust, and we tend to be big in the hips, and we're not as much in the booty area as some groups are stereotyped as being. It's Mm -hmm. typically a broader hip and a larger bust, and if you have the right genetics, it gives you an hourglass shape, and if you have other genetics, it makes you kind of look like an apple. That's the way I would describe it, is you just kind of look round from about your bust to your hips and I guess I would be in the hourglass category so I was overweight and I had a lot of trouble with my weight for a lot of years and I remember being on a diet from the time I was a teenager until I was probably in my mid-30s I even if I wasn't on a formal diet, I was always thinking I needed to be on a diet or I needed to lose weight or I was overweight. And what happened is when I was about 18, 19 years old is I had a really bad experience and I overate one night and I threw up. And after that, I started modifying what I ate, and I lost a lot of weight in a couple of years. I probably lost close to a third to half of my body weight. And y'all have seen the pictures, and y'all tell me if I ever get that, then again, you're going to yell at me. And now looking at the pictures, you have every right to say that. I went from about a size 18 to a size 3. And what happened to me was I reached a point where it was like I couldn't maintain my weight. I kept losing. So it was like I was either gaining or I was losing. And I had been interested in all sorts of stuff. I talked a little bit about this in the Thirst Trap episode. I had been interested in modeling. And so the goal was to get down to a size zero. And that just never happened. And... I thought that I would lose all that weight and that it would give me an entirely different social life and that people would look at me differently and that I would be more attractive. And when it happened and my social life really didn't change that much, that was a really big, I guess we could say a deflation at that age. 
And I kind of went on and it kind of got a little bit better when I was a little bit more leveled off. And so I went to down to a three. Then I was about a size six, six, eight for a long time. And mama used to call me a carpenter's dream because she said I was flat as a board. I really didn't have much of a bust because I was so thin. And I really didn't have much anything. I, I was very, very thin. But I was decently looking. And as I say, when you're in Pentecostal holiness where the women don't wear makeup. And it's frowned upon to cut your hair and all that. And you're decently good looking naturally. You get a lot of attention. And so that was me. I got a lot of attention because I kind of leveled off and things were better, but I really couldn't keep anybody. So by the time I got married, when I was 25, I was still about a six, eight. And I kind of went down again in my weight because I didn't eat right. And part of why I did not eat right is I was always under a lot of stress and my husband didn't want to buy groceries. And so we were always funny about what we were able to buy and, you know, what we were going to deal with and, you know, trying to make meals out of very limited ingredients because he didn't want to spend the money. And it was a real struggle. And what happened is around the time we moved from one apartment to the other one we lived in North Carolina. So this is around 2010. I went to put on something of mine that was a six and I noticed it didn't fit, that it was a little bit tight. And I kind of didn't think that much of it. And then a couple years later, I was in a car accident and I noted that the way I kind of gained was starting to put on weight was very classic of women who are perimenopausal. But once again, and this is why I mentioned the early puberty, I was only in my early 30s by this point in time. I was early to mid 30s when this started. And then I was in a car accident and I hurt my back. And I mean, I still kept up my life and I still kept up my activity and I was still really, really careful about what I ate. Like I said, I lived on a diet. I was always restricting, calorie restricting and being really, really careful about stuff. And it was like I could not control my body. All of a sudden I had a bust. I went from like a B cup to a D cup overnight and, you know, started to have body fat where I never had it before and in different ways than I had it before. And to say that that was a ridiculously traumatic experience for somebody who really did see thinness as being a successful thing and as being an example of a role model, we could say, because much like we were talking about, I grew up in church where being thin was considered a virtue. And I remember Joyce Meyer talking about her issues with her weight. And she had an album out at the time that was on cassette called Eat and Stay Thin. And 10 Reasons Why People Overeat. And talked about prayer and losing weight. And basically, it was the message that if you had enough faith, you'd be thin. And so all of a sudden now, I'm at this point in my life. And I'm having all these other kind of perspectives and crises with where I was at. My marriage wasn't good. I was constantly under stress. I started having more perimenopausal symptoms, was in a car accident. You know, things were nonstop, back to back, always a problem. I kind of stepped back and really felt like a failure. Like I really did something wrong to be having that issue. 
Now, according to what I read, I screwed probably with my body for so many years that it just reached a point where my body took over. And given that with perimenopause and with hormones and with things of that nature, things change. It's very, very customary to gain weight in certain parts of the body when you go through that. But at the time, it felt like a terrible besmirch. And I would deliberately buy clothes that didn't fit because I would say, oh, I'm going to wear them one day. I'm going to lose this weight. I'm going to wear them again. And I'm going to get my weight down and I'm going to get this under control. And I really went through a vanity with it. And it did not help that as I got a little bit curvier, my husband didn't like it. My husband had his own issues with his weight. And he was almost smitten with the idea that I was having trouble with it when he was, but he did not like my body. He would call me fat and he would, you know, really be very critical and put down, you know, how I was for how I looked now. So I kind of wrestled with it for a lot of years. And even after he died, the fact that I wasn't a twig anymore bothered me. And so when I started approaching the idea of dating again and started having, for full disclosure, much younger men interested in me who liked the idea that I wasn't small and liked the idea of the curves and liked the idea of me, I'm not considered full figured, but of me fuller figured, I couldn't wrap my head around that. And it really threw me into kind of a confusion. So you couple that with the faith issue and trying to sort all this stuff out and the need to kind of clap back against it. And here we are. And as we're talking about it, I'm going to say, throw in here, I know that Charlotte, you compared it to purity culture. Well, it goes along with purity culture because just like in purity culture where we're not supposed to have sex, we're not supposed to think about sex, but all they talk about is sex, so all we think about is sex. All we would think about is food, even though they told us not to think about it. Mm -hmm. And so it's very much a product of the idea of being the perfect female in particular of being the perfect Christian of being the perfect model and the impression if we cannot attain perfection, that no one is ever going to want us in our life. And so these messages, whether we liked it or not very much influence our view of ourselves and what it did is just unspeakable. Yeah, this is real heavy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. If I can piggyback, Leanne, on what you Please. said. So in your spiel, you said something about control. And what I have realized in, you know, hearing all this talk about diet culture, in reading some of these websites that are promoting diet culture, it's all about the idea that dieting is a form of self-control, especially- yes in Christian circles, that we don't want to be gluttons, which, side note, you know, having a lot to eat doesn't necessarily make you a glutton, but I digress. The whole idea of self-control being a fruit of the spirit, and I think that's where we have the spiritual and secular entanglement right there, is that... Mm -hmm controlling how much you eat and even restricting as a form of quote unquote self-control 
is spiritual. And in reading all of these messaging, it sounds like we are disgracing God's design for a healthy body because I mean, looking back into creation, like with the creation story in Genesis, God has made a diversity, a diverse array of life forms. What's to say he doesn't make a diverse array of humans, body shape and all. But we are trying, it seems, in this diet culture mentality to fit in a box to say, oh, no, God, your design isn't good enough for us. So we're going to force everybody to fit this one image, call it self-control, assign some spirituality to it, call it a day. Can I piggyback off of that real quick? Absolutely. Because it just hit me when you said, you know, the self-control and gluttony thing, it's a binary. Oh, yeah. They're, like, basically pushing us (sighs) not to... basically not pushing us to not lean so far one way that we're like afraid to go there and then so we just stay on this other side they're not allowing for anything to exist in the middle kind of like what you just said chuck they want us to fit into these neat little boxes when humanity really doesn't fit into any type of box except for humanity and there's a lot of different types of humans come in a lot of different shapes and sizes Hmm. Yeah. I knew binaries were going to come up somehow. I just didn't know how (laughs) or this early on. But yeah, I would agree with that. You know, and this kind of echoes what you're talking about with creation and diversity. I read an article online and no, I cannot tell you where it was or where I found it because it was a little ways back. And in it, a woman was talking about her mother. And how they basically encouraged her mother to starve herself because if she was just have a little more willpower, she could lose weight. And what she talks about in the article scientifically was the fact that the way that we gain weight is genetic. That where we carry our weight and how we are carry our weight is genetic. And there isn't much we can do about that. You know, obviously, yes, we can get bigger or we could get smaller. But when it comes to how we carry our body weight or like, for example, carrying it in the middle or carrying it in your behind or carrying it in your hips has to do with our genetics and the way that our fat is distributed. And we could do a million crunches, but we're still going to have a soft middle at a certain point in our lives. Or, you know, I could pretty much do as much as I want, but unless nothing short of starve myself, I'm going to look Italian-American and have big hips and have a big bust because that's genetically how my body is programmed to process and carry fat. And so, you know, nobody is saying that we should not aspire to be healthy, but health is not necessarily thin. You know, I remember my late husband had a stepfather and he was diabetic and he was thin as a rail. I mean, you could have blown him over wet and he would sit there and he could eat a whole bag of candy without blinking just by sitting there and hanging out and screwing around. Now, he might have been thin, but that wasn't a healthy behavior. 
And that's not something that we should aspire to with being healthy. And so I have kind of reached the point that do I sometimes run into issues with my own perception of my weight or how I look? Of course. How could I not based on everything we just talked about? But I would rather be healthy and be able to maintain something of health, even if it looks like this, than starving myself to be thin. Mm. We're all just sitting in this heaviness. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. it's a real heavy topic. Like, I don't know why this topic tends to be so heavy, I guess, because we're conditioned to assign what we eat, how we look to our sense of worth. Mm -hmm. And it feels like part of our identity, whether we want it to be or not. Yeah, I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. That whether or not we like it, it is very much attached to our self-worth that we see ourselves as being less than if we don't measure up to this perfect thin image of society of diet culture of now i'm going to say kind of the aspiration of perfection in the church i was actually just about to say something about that mom because yeah oh side note i call leanne mom spiritual mom anyway there's that context but basically, it's kind of another overarching issue that I've kind of noticed with the church, well, with some aspects of the church. They focus so much on the spiritual that they neglect the humanity mm. and in dehumanizing individuals by saying you have to look this way, God forbid, you know, or ignoring your genetics or ignoring, you know, healthy eating patterns or even like just normal eating patterns mm -hmm. they're trying to make you so godly but they're also trying to make you they're also trying to define i guess what's a good human being by your weight as well and that's not good wow hmm so very much the message that we aren't succeeding and we're not a good person if we're overweight. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Very much. Or what's deemed, I'm even going to say what's deemed is overweight. 
because I have read about things like BMI, which is body mass index, and mm -hmm. there is an incredible amount of gray area with that, that it is not as scientific mm -hmm. as people make it out to be. It is based in racism, and it's based on a certain idea of a perfect body that to a certain extent, most of us don't have. I mean, how many people do you know who fit this perfectly thin model that we all aspire to be? Very few. And to, like, go off of that, too, I have a friend who technically, by definition, would be, I want to say, obese, if not morbidly obese, but they don't look it. And if you were to see them you would probably dismiss it. But it's because they have so much muscle mm -hmm. that that also kind of contributes to the weight that they have on top of, you know, non-muscular weight that they have. So, yeah, it's very, it's very skewed. Mm -hmm. There's no wrong way to have a body. Say that again. There is no wrong way to have a body. One more time for good measure. Okay, we are listening. There is no wrong way to have a body. There we go. That's Just like mean. all those different things we see that are memes, and it says how to have a beach body, and it says have a body, go to the beach, the end. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I love those memes. Me too. You know, but it really is true. I mean, and I saw one the other day. I think it was a TikTok, and... Somebody did the video and she said, look, if the clothes are made in your size, then you can wear them. Mm -hmm. I mean, piggybacking off of that, I find it very interesting and I don't think it's a coincidence because we've talked about how purity culture and diet culture overlap, that there was a movement recently to deconstruct purity culture, call it out on its BS. And now there's also a body positivity or even body neutrality movement, which for those who don't know, body positivity basically says what Leanne was saying, that you have a body and, you know, you basically flaunt it as is. There's nothing wrong with it. Body neutrality is the idea like I said before, that your body is the least interesting thing about you, where it takes the focus off your body, off your appearance, and to what makes you a person as a whole. So I really appreciate that now we're beginning to talk more as a society about how damaging diet culture has been. I think it might be less so in church circles, but definitely in secular circles about how diets don't work, how this aspiration to be thin is damaging, how the body mass index was created by like an astronomer, mathematicians to statistician and sociologist back in like the 1830s and how this guy, I'm on the Wikipedia page, Adolf, I, uh, Adolf Quetlet, I probably butchered that name but you know how he observed obesity in western society so this like you were saying is rooted 
applying BMI to non-Western, like, people is, you know, not what it was intended for. And even then, like, Nick, you were saying about your friend who is muscular, but because muscle is more dense than fat, they are considered obese. And, you know, I, if I can share a story about how my most recent experience with going to the doctor it has to do with gaining weight over the pandemic but I also started weight training around this time and so I definitely gained a lot of muscle while I was doing this but I still go to the doctor and I'm just like hey due to my history with disordered eating I don't want to weigh myself they did pressure me to weigh myself so I was like fine don't tell me what the number is my doctor still was like kind of being passive aggressive about that. And she was like, well, we still need to check your weight to see for a history of, or like your high, your chances of developing certain diseases or whatever. And I'm thinking to myself, I now work out twice a week. I now eat healthier than I ever have. Yes, I was maybe 30 pounds lighter like five or six years ago, but that was also when I was really restricting what I was eating and I was not in a very healthy place, like mindset or even health wise. So I'm just thinking about all this and realizing how much diet culture impacts just everything we do, especially in the medical fields. I definitely agree with that because the first thing that is always assumed if you've gained a little bit of weight or if you're a person who carries a little bit more fat or appears to be a little bit heavier than someone else that the answer to them is that you don't have enough willpower or that it's what you're eating now i can vouch that i went and i had testing done because at this point in time i was still trying to figure out what was going on and I said, you know, let's run tests. I was concerned that I was diabetic or that maybe my thyroid function wasn't right. And it came back that I have high cholesterol. So the first thing they said to me is, well, what are you eating? Hmm. Now, I can vouch it's not my diet. My mother can vouch it's not my diet. High cholesterol runs in my family and it is genetic. But the first assumption is always that if you just had a little more willpower, if you just did this or that. And I can say that I have not weighed myself in a good 15 to 17 years simply because the numbers drive me crazy. Mm -hmm. And I can stand there and I can be having a fine day and I would get on that scale and it would be a half a pound higher than normal. And I would be in a bad mood for the rest of the day, or I would start worrying about restricting, or I would start worrying about what could I cut out, or I would start being concerned about all these different things. And so I really made the point of saying that, do not tell me what it is. And when I go to the doctor, I say, I do not want to hear anything of a number do not tell me what it is i turn my back or close my eyes while they do it and i say do not say anything to me about it because that number too many things hang on that number Hmm. and besides like 
people carry that weight so differently. I've actually seen a really cool trend on TikTok where usually these are female presenting people because let's face it, there is a lot more focus on female presenting folks to look a certain way, to weigh a certain amount or to weigh less than a certain amount. And so I saw this one comment that said, this is a video showing that this is what 200 pounds or this is what 230 pounds, whatever the number is, looks like. And you see a diverse array of people. You'll see some people who have that flat stomach who are super muscular. You'll see some people who have a gut, have a butt, have really big uh -huh. breasts. And it's like, these people all weigh the same, but they all carry this differently. And you can bet when some of them go to the doctor, they will be like the ones who are quote unquote thin, skinny, look the right way. They are not going to be called out for what they're eating. They're not going to be judged for their appearance. They're probably going to be praised for it versus the person who, you know, may weigh less than the person who is super muscular, but mm -hmm. is still going to be fat shamed because they have fat in a certain area. Right. You know, it's really interesting how y'all are bringing up so many points about the medical field, how they're not really taking all these other medical factors into account up front. Mm -hmm. That like the first thing they point to is food, not like, let's look at your family history. That's an afterthought almost. Hmm. I've, I've ventured to say that the medical community is as behind on weight and some of that aspects of physical health as the church mm -hmm. is with issues like the LGBT community or you know whatever hot and button issue of the day is I would agree and I think mm -hmm. that we also have to consider whether we like to deal with this fact or not that the a lot of the foundations of modern medicine are eugenics Mm -hmm. or they are the idea that, you know, basically understanding eugenics, that certain races are inferior to others. Yep. And a lot of the stereotypes that have been carried around about certain races, even though maybe a lot of people in society have gravitated away from them, the medical industry has not caught up. And it likes the idea that it's perpetrating facts instead of saying, you know, look, what this is rooted in is bullshit. This is a bullshit idea. This is a stereotype. You know, this is just the way that it is. You know, we don't deal with that. And the medical industry does not deal with that aspect of its ethics. And as a result, it's still body shaming people. And I'm going to throw this out here, too that when it comes to people assigned biological as female, that the medical industry does a terrible, terrible job representing the needs and interests of biological females in the medical profession. And mm -hmm. I say that because there aren't studies, there is no information, and often many times they are failing women simply because they don't have the right answer. So mm. this is an entire thing. I mean, you know, we're saying they don't understand women. 
you know, forget about them understanding anybody who's queer or who's trans or taking any of that even really seriously. It can be really hard for individuals who don't identify as a binary sex to get the right medical care. So you're basically saying that the medical industry still kind of worships the dick is what I'm hearing. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Lovely. It's like so many things could be fixed if we just got rid of the patriarchy. Moo. <laughs> no, I agree. I mean, because we're holding too fast to patriarchal ideas and we're mm. holding too fast to very vain ideas about superiority. I mean, and there's racism inherent in here. There is sexism involved mm -hmm. in here. There is gender bias involved in here. And isn't it funny and, you know, kind of ironic, but not really, as we kind of circle back around, that all these things are very much perpetrated by white church. And as somebody who worked in almost exclusively black churches in the southern United States for about a decade, they are trying to push it in those places now as well. So that idea of the perfectly thin female and that you can just be gorgeous if you're thin is very much being sold now to African-American women in church as much as it's sold to white women. Yeah, because that's what I grew up with pretty much. There was no real talk about like getting overweight and things like that. It was... Yeah, it was more so, I guess, standard purity culture stuff of be thin, but also be modest, air quotes around that. So, yeah, and anything that kind of, like, suggested that you had any kind of shape was kind of like a red flag. Like, circling back to my prom dress example. Right. So, where do we go from here? Burn the patriarchy? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Something more immediate, though, that we can do. <laughs> Gather the wood. <laughs> I would say a more practical example. Thank is you. On <laughs> getting wood is practical. <laughs> the patriarchy is not something tangible you can burn, though. Not with that attitude. <laughs> Moving okay, on. Charlie, continue. <laughs> I would say the most immediate answer would probably be changing your mindset, which, moo. But, you know, like we often say at Sanctuary, the serenity prayer, we must accept the things we cannot change. Mm -hmm. And if genetics plays a huge role in the way that we carry weight, we can't change our genetics. And we can't change the way that we carry our weight and so we can change the way that we see ourselves again that's going to the whole body positivity even a, holding a neutral view of your body and even looking to food as a form of self-care in the way that you want to nourish your body with fruits and vegetables with protein with Maybe the occasional sweet, because, I mean, I've got 
a huge sweet tooth. And so I'm not going to deny myself like a handful of M&Ms now and then. But really nourishing your body is a form of self-care. And like the way my trainer put it recently is that when I started to incorporate more nutritious meals, well, first of all, I stopped viewing food or I aim to stop viewing food as either good or bad, healthy or unhealthy, because those are huge binaries and healthy and unhealthy is very subjective. So Mm. what I started viewing food as is nutritious. You know, does it have vitamins? Does it have minerals? Does it have protein? Whatever. Does it have the things that I need to nourish my body? And so that really helped me change the way that I grocery shop. It helps me change the way that I make meals. It also changes the way that when I go out to enjoy fast food. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Like, I've started just, I know <laughs> I'm such a French fry fiend. I can't give up my fries, but I can give up soda. And so that's what I've been doing as like a form of nourishing my body, even when I'm going to get processed food. So what I've been doing is making these tiny steps all in the name of self-care and hopefully eventually changing my mindset. So even though I have gained weight because I have been eating more intuitively and actually eating meals instead of restricting myself, I do feel a lot better overall. And I feel like I don't think about food as much as I used to when I was restricting. Hmm. Of course, easier said than done because changing a mindset requires changing, you know, 20, 30, 40 years worth of your brain being wired a certain way and associating food with, you know, evil. So, Mm -hmm. wow, that's that's a mouthful right there. Yeah, I mean, if, if the whole idea is if you overeat and you are overweight, then you have no value, then the logical leap is that what you intake is the root of evil. And so therefore food in all its forms, even nutritious stuff is evil. Hmm. Wow. I mean, if that's the case, then I'm gonna enjoy this sin, but anyway. Same. (laughs) But I guess I would say and this is probably advice I need to take myself more so because gender dysmorphia, not so much weight, but I would honestly say get a little vain with yourself. And by that, I mean, like, if you've been restricted with food or clothes, then like, just experiment. You know, if you've heard that, you know, crop tops are modest, try one on and see how you feel. If you've heard that, like, eating a full meal or like a meal plus dessert. I don't really know how like restrictive meal plans or things of that nature go, but like whatever was deemed inappropriate 
for that, go beyond that. Like, do things outside of the binary you were restricted in to see what you're comfortable with and what you're happy with. Because you may find that, you know, eating maybe like an extra side would help. Or maybe you'll find that eating like a full meal will help. Or you may find that, you know, as you're doing more things for your body that you will feel more comfortable in the clothes you're in. And if you start wearing, you know, whatever fits your body fine, even though it might shape you in certain ways that that doesn't inherently make you sexually desirable because that's on other people and it it should really only matter how you perceive yourself and if somebody wants to like objectify you because of that that's on them not you Hmm. so like this whole podcast is kind of gone my answer is kind of in the middle of the two of yours (laughs) and the first thing I will say is that I Really hadn't thought about it until you said it, but for example, the thing that's probably helped me the most is thirst trapping. I was gonna say. And now, I would encourage everybody to listen to the podcast that Nick and I did called Thirst Trap back this season. Because we talk a lot about body image and body positivity, and one of the reasons why both of us started doing this was for body image. And I tried to deal with things. I listened to tapes. I tried to change my mindset. And the reason the thirst trapping has been the thing that helps the most is because if you do it right, it helps you to see yourself differently. And it doesn't mean you have to be totally naked, bare ass on the internet everywhere because we're not doing that. But it does teach you about learning to work with what you have. And I'm also going to say it encourages you to experiment with clothes. You know, I love plaid for years, but the only thing I ever wore plaid on was a flannel shirt from the 90s. You know, I didn't ever think about it as a socially sophisticated attire and since I've done this I have found all different ways to do it I find that when I adapt more of a retro style attire that it fits my body better and I feel better in it then maybe if I'm trying to fit in something that's made for somebody who's a size two in China that it really does make a big difference and so I would definitely say that the experimenting is important And I would say that the healthy eating and the healthy mindset is important too. The other thing I would throw in here is to surround yourself by people who are more body positive of you. Not all that long ago, I saw a commercial for a diet supplement. And the message has two, the the commercial has two people walking on the beach and they fall in love and that they're going to go out and they're going to go do this and you can go do that. And so that basically your life is waiting for you to lose weight and how you can have the love life you always desired if you just get thin. And I said to my mom, because my mom was in the room and I said, they ain't been on the internet Mm. because there are entire body positivity movements and I'm going to tell you straight up there is somebody who's attracted to everything and to give the message that 
the only thing anybody is looking for is thin is very very severely a misnomer i was sitting talking to a significant other once and i very casually stated that i thought i was fat and you know i did it in passing it wasn't even something i really thought about but it was self-depreciating humor and he scowled at me and he very playfully tapped me on my thigh and it wasn't he didn't hit me i don't want to get a whole bunch of letters about that it wasn't anything like that it was very playful but it was a don't do that again message it was a don't say it again because self-depreciating myself put down what he likes about me and i don't think that when we don't accept ourselves and we do get around people who do or who do appreciate it or who are even attracted to it we don't realize the message that we're giving to them about what they're attracted to as much as the message we're giving about ourselves and so i think that being body positive starts with ourselves and learning what we like and what we feel looks good on us and what we embrace as being healthy for ourselves obviously if all you eat is m&ms that's not healthy but having a handful of m&ms or having dessert every now and then is not going to kill you and it's not a bad thing and there isn't anything wrong with it and so it's all right like we say to have a body and to have the body that you have however it is and i remember charlie you saying something to me once about how one of the things that really intrigued you about sanctuary was that the majority of the people in sanctuary would be considered plus sized mm -hmm. or at very minimum a little larger than average and how what a statement that was that I even went back to our philosophy and I added a clause in it that said full figured curvy plus sized or thin there's room for us all we all fit in because we don't think about body shaming as an exclusionary message when we talk about inclusion but often many times it is right and how it's implicit in a lot of like all the churches I've been to I've been part of the minority in terms of weight on like the heavier side because there's not many of us but mm -hmm. having a space where you see yourself represented and you find camaraderie like that it speaks volumes of the level of inclusion and the level of safety that i think a lot of people who are on the thinner side might not necessarily get mm. Well, we are about out of time, and this has been a very fascinating, even if it's been a little bit heavy, conversation, and I think that we need to have these conversations, and what I would say is, you know, we talk about sanctuary as being a safe space, and by extension, this podcast becomes one, it's just recorded and a lot more people hear it. But what would you all like to say in closing to leave with our listeners as food for thought on this topic? <laughs> Love that pun. Um, <laughs> if, I, if I can go first. Go for it. Whatever weight you should be and whatever is healthy for your body, 
is holy and sacred. And I'm kind of circling back to something you said earlier, Chuck, about how... Oh God, what did you say? About how we're kind of like distorting God's plan for us, yeah. or I forget exactly how God's you worded design. it. God's design. Yeah, that thing, mm -hmm. that D word. So basically embrace how you are because that in and of itself is embracing something holy, something unique that God has done for you. Hmm. Wow, that's good stuff. Nick, I'll actually piggyback off of what you said earlier. Do what makes you feel good. Whether that's... I would definitely recommend eating more nutritious stuff. Like, I'm trying to incorporate fruits and vegetables into my diet in a more tangible way. And like, I notice a difference in just how I feel eating those instead of processed food. I get tired of processed food now, and i that's not what I go to anymore, which is awesome. There's also a form of guidance in the body positivity movement where they say exercise in a way that makes your body feel good. Don't exercise necessarily to earn your food. Do Move in a way that feels good. And so my form of movement that feels good is taking a walk outside uh -huh. and getting that fresh air in, all that good stuff. So... Very good. Well, I thank you all for being on here and for being willing to be so honest and transparent about this issue that really, in many ways, has controlled way too much of our lives. And we know it's controlling many people's out there. How can everyone get in contact with you if they would like to do so? This is Chuck. You can get in contact with me through my blog. If you go on Tumblr, T-U-M-B-L-R dot com and you search beloved dash not dash broken you should be able to find me okay and Nick here if you go on Twitter at Nick Fitz 2 that's N-I-K-F-I-T-S the number 2 at the end you can talk to me more directly on there you can also send a message through my blog or comment on one of my posts at nickfits.wordpress.com. That's N-I-K-F-I-T-S dot wordpress.com. Very good. And I thank you guys for being on, and y'all know that you'll be back. Probably not in the real distant future at that. <laughs> mm -hmm. And we thank everybody for listening today, and I do hope that this episode has been a benefit to you. I know that we talked about an awful lot of very heavy stuff on here today. And in keeping with that and with journey of self-discovery and self-awareness, I kind of would like to recommend a book I wrote titled Seeds for the Season, 91 Days of Breakthrough. That's Seeds for the Season, 91 Days of Breakthrough. It is literally reflections of mine from a particular season in my life where things just had to change. And you are able to get that book anywhere that books are sold. Go on Amazon.com and look me up, Dr. Leanne B. Marino, and all 35 of my titles will come up. 
And I'm sure that if that title is not exactly what you're looking for, there's definitely something there, something for everyone that will intrigue you. Also, if you are interested in learning more about the world of counterculture Christianity, feel free to visit my website at kingdompowernow.org. That's kingdompowernow.org. Also, if you are looking for a safe place where there is no favoritism, just family, and where we are not going to shame you for having a body, then I encourage you to check out Sanctuary International Fellowship Tabernacle. We are meeting in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, and we meet regularly every single week. We do have service. We do have Bible study available. Go to welcomeinthisplace.org. That's welcomeinthisplace.org to learn more. And if there is any information that is not available on the website, feel free to reach out to any one of us, and we will be happy to answer any questions you may have. And this is Apostle Dr. Leanne Marino reminding all of you in closing like I said before there is no wrong way to have a body so find your way to make your peace with the body that God gave to you until next time be blessed thank you for joining us on the kingdom now podcast today I pray it has proven to be a blessing in your life. To learn more about this work, ask a question, submit feedback, a topic suggestion, or donate to support this work, as our podcast is sponsored by listeners like you. Visit my website, which contains essential information, projects, and links for other points of contact around the web at kingdompowernow.org. Also, if you are in our area and would like to visit Sanctuary International Fellowship Tabernacle, SIFT, visit welcomeinthisplace.org or look for our app in the App Store. Until next time, this is Apostle Dr. Leanne Marino reminding you that the Kingdom of God is within you, and that means the Kingdom is now. <laughs>